I, I am one man that is extremely grateful for all of the dads. I am thankful for what you represent. I realize that Father's Day, like his Mother's Day, is not always a pleasant day for some people because they do not have the best of thoughts about their childhood. But this is something that I read recently that has helped me, and I hope that it will help you, that God is the Father who is always home. No matter what our biological background may be, when we come to Him, we are accepted into a family, and He becomes our Father. It is important that we celebrate Father's Day. It is important that we have a Father's Day. But let me add to that, it is just as important what a father says. And it is just as important that a father stays. And it is equally important that a father know how to show his family and others the way. Men, do not allow the world to silence your voice because of your own intimidating circumstances. Remember that you have been called of God. I think every father, every man, every young man struggles with his faults, his flaws, his failures, his shortcomings, inadequacies, whatever you want to call it. There's really no easy way to becoming a man of integrity and a man of respect or a man of valor or character or honor. We battle things daily that try to pull us down and try to undermine what our calling is. As a young man or as a man that is fully grown, and especially as fathers, we are challenged so many times by life, irregardless of our own shortcomings, life itself assaults our role. The culture that we live in exploits the very weaknesses that men struggle with. And we are bombarded on a daily basis with things that are designed to destroy what we represent. When Paul was writing to Timothy, he identified three things that all men struggle with. In 1 Timothy 2 and 8, he said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. These three core issues have been at the root of all of the things that have plagued man from the beginning, the fall in the garden. They are at the root and heart of every battle that a man struggles with in his life. Lifting up holy hands represents our actions and what we do. Literally, it indicated that a man would not hold something long enough that it would contaminate him. Without wrath means our emotions. Anger is a very common thing among all people. We are all blessed with a little bit of it. Anger in itself is not a bad thing, but wrath is anger that is out of control. And this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Wrath is simply the inability to control a natural 
instinct that God put in all of us that could be of help to us when it is used properly. Anger, because it burns, fire, and then is filled with rage because it burns. That's how foolish anger is that is out of control. And then without doubting, that has to do with our thoughts. It does not reference your unbelief or your faithlessness. Rather, it is speaking of a man questioning himself and doubting and second-guessing himself, arguing with himself of whether he made the right decision. When you go back and look at all the struggles that men go through in their life, you can sum them up in one of those three things. Either our actions, our emotions, or our thoughts are the root bed of most of our troubles. When I began reading in the book of Leviticus a few days ago, it, it, it moved me because I realized something that I suppose I had allowed to drop out of my memory. In the book of Leviticus, God gave Moses and Israel some very specific instructions concerning their worship and their relationship to him. He gave them clear instructions about a tabernacle and he gave them instructions about their sacrifices and their offerings that they would bring. And there were many burnt offerings and meal offerings and sin offerings and peace offerings and wave offerings and trespass. Every one of them, there are specific details that are involved in how they are to be done and fulfilled and carried out. And in Exodus 29 and again in Leviticus 8, God gives very clear instructions concerning the men who are involved in the very special purpose of serving Him. We're given here the exact details concerning the ceremony of the hallowing of the priest. And God gave them very clear, distinct directives for them to follow. This was what prepared the man for the priesthood and for his ministry. Number one, they were to wash with water and be clean. Number two, they were to put on the sacred garments and the attire that God had set upon them to wear. Number three, they were to be anointed with a very costly and fragrant and very specially compounded anointing oil. And then comes this unique offering of a second ram. The sacrifice of this ram by far is the most unique part of the whole ceremony. For this ram was not for God. It was for the man. Part of the blood was taken and touched the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe of the man. And it was there mixed with water and that anointing oil, and I should say it was mixed with the anointing oil, and that mixture was sprinkled on their garments, thus pouring out the remaining part on the ground before the altar. They were consecrating themselves to the service of the Lord. It was the offering that stated that this is what fits you for participation in my tabernacle. And this is what prepares you for the duties that you have been called to fulfill. 
Somewhere in Scripture I read that he has made us all priests of some sort. And so to our men today, I would call on you to cherish literally means for that you have upon you. The word of the text literally means for consecration. It was the realm of fillings. It literally means to fill up the hands. Offering this thing before the Lord was the offering of a sacrifice of complete surrender of every part of the body, every part of what represented who that man was. It was now dedicated and committed to the Lord. And the central part of that consecration rite was significant not just for them, but I believe it is still significant for us. For there are three areas that every man needs covered and needs blood applied. Number one, every man needs a covering to protect his ears. Amen. Everyone, every man needs a covering to protect his ears. Our hearing is so critical to the success of our life. Your hearing plays an essential role in many things, but most importantly, it plays a role in your sense of balance and equilibrium. When your hearing goes, so goes your ability to stay erect and upright. When your hearing is affected, it also has the ability to affect your taste. Though it is not primary, it is secondary in the fact that before those impulses that are on your tongue reach your brain, it has to pass through your ear. And if your ear is defective, it can have an influence on your ability to taste food. So when we lose our ability to hear, we lose a sense of taste in our life. If we cannot hear, then we cannot follow. If we cannot hear, we cannot receive instruction. If we cannot hear, we cannot be encouraged. If we cannot hear, we are not open to what God has to say. If there's anything that needs to happen to all of you today, young men as well, you need God to anoint and cover your ears so that they can be protected, so that they are not allowed to be damaged by the noise of this world. We need our ears open to God. We need anointed and consecrated men who can hear the voice of God, who know how to listen when God speaks Men who know how to allow him into their life and into their spirit and to be covered by his blood. That's what every man needs. Every man needs a covering for his ears. Second of all, they would take the blood and they would apply it to the right thumb in the hand of the man. The thumb is what separates us from animal life. The thumb has only two bones in it, but it plays a very important role that no other finger can claim. Thanks to your unique shape, you can bend and stretch your thumb opposite to your fingers in multiple ways. Because of that, it allows you to grip things and to hold things. And the thumb is one of the best places that doctors have found to check the pulse of an individual in the thumb. 
Your thumb is so important that a complete amputation will result in 40% impairment to the whole hand by just that one thumb being not there. In fact, they clanger a ring finger, a thumb. You would have to amputate a middle finger, a ring finger, and a small finger to equal the impairment that that one missing digit could cause you. Hands signify our ability to sign a contract and to hold a contract. The thumb allows for the defending, for it is virtually impossible for a soldier to hold a sword when there is no thumb. That's why God anointed that thumb to make sure that man always realized you better protect your hands. You better make sure you keep your hands under the right covering and make sure that you don't allow anything to impair your ability to reach out and grab hold or to reach out and make agreement with me. You better make sure that in your life your hands reach for the right things and hold the right things and cherish the right things. A man who is impaired in his hands is generally an ineffective man who is reduced to begging as Scripture declares to us. The third point was that every man needs a protection and influence of the blood over his life and his direction. You know, as little as we think about it, your toes are some of the most important parts of your body. (laughs) Amen. They're not very comely according to Scripture. And they're not the part that we glorify, but your toes are possibly the most underappreciated yet overworked part of your body. Amen. According to what I've read, though you may give little thought to them until you stub them on your going into another room in the dark, you'll find out how important those toes are. But the big toe especially, it carries the majority of the load of your body when you are walking. The big toe makes it possible for us to be able to stand or to walk or run upright on both legs. The big toe can be interchanged with the thumb and work properly. That's why in the Old Testament when the kings took his enemy, he cut off their right thumb and their right toe so they had no ability to recover from the disaster. And if there's anything the devil would like to do to our men is impair you so much that you are not effective and you are marginalized in our world. And you hear me today, men. If there's anything we need covered, we need our hands covered, we need our ears covered, and we need to make sure that we protect our feet so that they can carry us into the right way. Our ability to walk, carry out His purposes, are affected by our ability to stand. Amen. I was talking to a good friend of mine who told me just recently at St. Luke's Hospital downtown, one of the major doctors in that hospital told a patient that was from his church, he said, a man who loses his ability to stand and be mobile will also lose his ability to heal and improve. Amen. That's why the enemy wants to cripple you in your feet. 
you don't think much about that. You don't think much about it because it's out of sight, out of mind. But you hear me today. You better make sure that your feet are covered because if the devil can cripple you in your feet, you are useless. There is absolutely nothing you can do. Allow life to, in life and in the kingdom of God in a sense. Don't allow life to cripple you in your feet. The enemy knows the way to disable and humiliate a man is to cut off the vital things that help make him effective and powerful as a man. And so God wanted the priesthood and he wanted all of us to understand that there's some things we need to consecrate to him. We need to consecrate our ears that we're not going to allow anything to come into them that are not proper and good. And we will protect our hands that they do not hold the wrong things but that they do hold the things that are right and upright. And we need to consecrate our feet to the Lord and dedicate ourselves to the purpose of standing, no matter what it takes to stand. And when you have done all to still be able to stand. Amen. Build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he is weak. And brave enough to face himself when he's afraid. One who will be proud and unbending in honest debate and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a son whose wishes will not take the place of deeds. A son who will know you and that knowing you, he will know himself. Build me a son whose heart will be clear, whose goal will be high. A son who will master himself before he seeks to master others. One who will reach into the future and yet never forget the past. And after all these things are his, add, I pray, enough sense of humor so that he may always be serious yet never take himself too seriously Give himself humility so that he may always remember the simplicity of true greatness. Open the mind of true wisdom and the meekness of true strength. Then I, his father, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. General Douglas A. MacArthur. So today I call on all the men and young men of this church. If we're going to build that, it's going to take strong men, vibrant men. I don't mean to labor on it. I mean to do what needs to be done so that it can be fulfilled. We don't need men that are here one service and gone the next. We need men that are here no matter what. Amen. We need men who will do their best to lay themselves on the altar on a regular basis and say, not my will, but thy will be done. The consecrations of the man that God uses involve the critical parts of your life. And I call on every father, every man, every young man to accept that challenge today and consecrate those things to the Lord in his highest purpose. And everybody said, Amen. Let's stand together. Praise God.